Hey, strangers, welcome to another episode of the Side Sessions. I am here with my side girl, Krista. <laughs> your sidekick. <laughs> my sidekick, my side the girl. The Robin to your Batman? The, am my... I more the Catwoman to your Batman? Kind of. Is that a thing? I don't know. Is it Catwoman? Yeah. Okay. There's a bat. No, there's Batgirl. Oh, Batgirl. Batgirl. I had Ooh, a crush I'll be your on. Batgirl to your Batman. Batgirl. I had a crush on in the '60s television show. Oh. Um, I haven't watched any Batman movies, so I don't even know the whole I'm not into any mythos of that stuff. as it were. No, me neither. Um, welcome to the if sides. There are capes involved. I don't watch. <laughs> welcome to the side <laughs> sessions. This is our little bonus episode thing that we put together for our coffee subscribers. Mm-hmm. Where, Again, thank you yeah, so thank much. You. We, like Krista was saying before we recorded, we just can't believe people want to give us stuff. Like we for, have a monthly income. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to pay anybody's rent. No, but, but I feel like we should give you guys stuff for listening, for putting up with our... I, I keep calling it subpar, but then I get yelled at when mm-hmm. I call it subpar. Tomfoolery. Our, our little tiny scrappy podcast yeah well just so you know we want to buy a new computer i know we talked about this i need a new laptop for and maybe new chairs because i busted one of our chairs when i sat in it our and our during our recording of the he almost bit the sessions no i didn't even like teeter i I was pretty good yeah like i should it was a close call though yeah i could have went down on my butt got a part of a chair jammed in my back luckily there's a very cushy couch right behind oh, you would have cushioned your fall but anyway yeah we'd like to buy new chairs and i would also like to get better lighting down here mm-hmm. get some floor lamps to it, it's it is kind of like dark and even we have a ton of lights on it doesn't really do anything because no. the walls are like this dark panel it's comfy down here the couch is it comfy. is it's comfy i wouldn't mind living on that couch that's a little hint for this episode by the Ooh. way um I feel it's like so weird just jumping right into a topic. Too. I know that's why I feel no we can't we can talk a little bit about stuff going on, mm-hmm. but I'm just trying to think of stuff we did, we didn't cover because it's weird because this episode doesn't come out for weeks yeah, after weeks. the episode we just recorded because we already have I think two in the yeah two on deck. So if we go to talking about the stuff we talked about in the last episode, that'll be like weeks like a month yeah. ago for you guys. So this is kind of confusing true. us a little. Now we don't remember who goes first and introduces <laughs> the episode. We think we have it worked out how we're going to do yeah. that. Yeah. Stuff that shouldn't be complicated for us is complicated. Yeah, super and, complicated. So this will be coming out in November though, I think, right? Yeah, because we have by this time, One, they'll have heard it, two. though, this but they'll hear the, the jungle. They'll hear Isabella, mm-hmm. Godine, and the new Coke episode. So this if will be you're, after Well, those. it depends on if you're what tier you are. Yeah. Yeah. If you're it's, $5 tier versus a $10 tier. Thank you for giving us anything, because it Seriously. is going towards a podcast where you're not spending it frivolously. Friv- 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 yeah, I'm not buying, like, mascara She's and buying shoes and purses CDs. online. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you're, no. not a, you're not a I shoes and purse I get all my purse purses at thrift stores. <laughs> I do my mascara online though. Do you? I, I don't do because I online. I like um, really clean, vegan, cruelty-free, high-quality stuff, and I'm 45, so I can pay 25 dollars. I get mascara. the extra cruelty. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All only animal products. <laughs> I use this new. I use this new body wash. I can't remember what it's called now, but it's. I love the smell of it. It's. It's like thicker than. What is he doing up there? Sanding. He's oh. sanding something oh. <laughs> in the garage. I can hear um, it. It's thicker than like normal body wash. I can't remember what it's called and it's driving me crazy. But the one that I buy that I love is... Is it Harry's? No. Is I've it seen like Harry's. a men's specific? It's a men's specifically. Because you shop at Meyer, right? Yes. It's a reshop too. And I'm yeah. trying to think of what Jim has gotten there. Native? There's like... No. I'm going to actually find it Or is it, it right like now. a common brand? Like... No. No, it's not a common brand. But okay. I want to put a plug in for it because I love it. Maybe they'll be our new sponsors. We don't have any sponsors. I wish they'd be our sponsor because I love their body wash. I go through it like crazy. It's called 
Bum, bum, bum. That's a Duke weird Cannon. It's called Duke Cannon Thick. I've never even heard of That's the brand name? Yep. It looks like that. Huh. I've never Duke even seen Cannon it. Duke Cannon Thick. Okay. And, um. It smells good. What's the scent? Oh, my God. It is. I'm looking it up right now. It's a mixture of three scents that I just absolutely love. And they are amber, cedarwood, and tobacco. Oh, amazing. I can already I love, tell you that's love, amazing. I love, love the smell of tobacco. Mm, like too. not smoke, like not smoke, no, 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 but, but like the smell of tobacco. tobacco. I know but what you're talking about. This is my favorite body wash. So do Canon, if you're listening, sponsor us because I love this stuff. Mm. But... I don't even know how we got on this topic. And I think it's funny because they have a, they're like, this isn't like your dorm room teenager, teeny bopper. Mm-hmm. And it has a, like a picture on the back of an ax with a line through it, like, and make it like no ax. It's not oh, ax, funny. Yeah. ax body wash. So it's but hipster it, body it wash. It says on there, uh, <laughs> it says not tested on animals. And nice. in parentheses, it says just naughty interns. So, oh. I thought, so that's kind of how I got on that. That's really funny. But I love that body wash. I do really try to only buy cruelty free, no yeah. matter what it is. There's, um, there's no reason to buy stuff that's tested on animals. The cloned I used is by is from Avon because when I worked at the factory, one of the ladies there sold Avon mm. and there's a cologne they do called True Gent and one okay. it's like a mixture of six different scents and one of them is tobacco and I it's like such a comforting it smell is. to me and I don't yeah. get it because my dad would smoke cigars but my grandpa smoked a pipe yeah. so I remember what that smell oh I remember like, Mike and Jamie and I like yeah and we, his dad yeah. Jamie's dad had a pipe collection so we took pipes and we would walk around do our walk across the trestle and smoke black cherry tobacco in pipes and it was so good you know I don't think we inhaled but sure. it was just cool to be walking around with these old-fashioned pipes smoking Fun. back when I was young and foolish. That's a great scent combination, though, yes, what you said there. but I love it. So, yeah, we digressed there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. I do want to mention, I would like to do some special stuff for the coffee oh. supporters, like maybe some contests with We giveaways. want you guys to send us what you want yeah, to hear want on the ideas. side sessions yep. because this is your show, basically. Totally. We're doing this for you guys. So if you guys want us to touch on something... <laughs> Even if it's paranormal, I mean, this yeah, doesn't and have because to it's side be sessions, it can be whatever anything. the hell you want to talk yeah. about. So just let me or Krista know, and we can do it. Like this article, this one we're doing today, I actually was halfway done with an, a different topic, but then this topic came up like in two days, in three different times, it came up randomly on stuff. I think one of them was an internet suggestion. One of them was in those in that Uncle John's bathroom reader. I was mm. reading through mm-hmm. on the toilet, of course. Sure. And I was like, this is an, Where interest- else would you read this is an interesting article. And then within the next two days, two more times, that specific thing popped up. And that's like Synchronicity's way totally. of telling me, do this for a topic instead. So I completely switched it like this week. So this one is a little jumbly because I, did, I started this one later than usual. But this is something I have been fascinated with. And this has actually kind of been in the news recently because of Gabby Petito. Oh, sure. And yeah. I'm just, I don't know. This is a weird one for me because I'm very regretful. Like, if I was 30 years younger, this is something I would love to do. But we're so going to get 20? we're going to get into this. Uh, the I'll just tell you this right now. The first part I'm going to talk about comes from the HowStuffWorks.com article called, quote, Still Riding the Rails, Life as a Modern Hobo. Okay. So what this is going to be about is hobos and road tramping. 
road tramping is also known as van living. Yeah, I followed that hashtag yes. on Instagram. Yep. yep. So Jim and I have actually looked at vans yes. to convert. Yeah. So I and this, also camper vans. This week I looked into this. So this is about hobos because what the, the articles that I came across three different times in two days was about the symbols that hobos would scratch on fence posts and stuff to give codes to other hobos. Hmm. So this I think this is just so interesting. There's the, something very romantic there about is, it. There is. There is. Selling all of your belongings yes. and, and yeah. hitting the road. Yep. So HowStuffWorks.com article called, quote, Still Riding the Rails, Life as a Modern Hobo says, quote, Every August, hundreds of hobos and hobo aficionados from across America gather in Britt, Iowa for the National Hobo Convention. The convention has been held in this tiny whistle stop since 1900 when the town fathers welcomed three Chicago hobos looking for a new home for the annual get-together. In addition to the annual convention, the town celebrates Brit's Hobo Days, a long weekend of parades, concerts, fair rides, and fried food attended by more than 20,000 visitors. That's just crazy. That's mm-hmm. a lot of people. It's a lot of hobos. For a small town. Connecticut Shorty hasn't missed a National Hobo Convention in 25 years. She proudly mentions that she was elected National Hobo Queen in 1992. Her sister, New York Maggie, won the honors in 1994. Hobos start arriving in Brit a week before the convention begins. They come in motorhomes and on motorcycles, and some still ride the train, hopping off at nearby Mason City and hitchhiking to Brit. They set up a, quote, hobo jungle, or a hobo encampment in a city park, and light a ceremonial fire that burns steadily throughout the whole weekend. There aren't many real hobos at the National Hobo Convention. This is more about preserving history than passing the baton to the next generation. Shorty gives tours of the National Hobo Cemetery and shares the stories of steam-era hobos like her father, men who took the rails out of necessity and found an odd sense of home and community in that rambling world. So we need to get to some definitions here. From a January 19th, 2018 article on ArtfulLiving.com called, quote, The Hobo Way of Life, the article goes on to say, when I first began my research on hobos years ago, well-meaning friends would offer to introduce me to homeless people on their street corner. This association is a common misperception. Mm. Indeed, hobos are unlike any other population in existence. The key to being a hobo is that a hobo chooses his identity. Ask any hobo and he or she will tell you emphatically that hobos, tramps, and bums are nothing alike. Hobos travel across the country by hopping onto trains, although other modes of transportation are acceptable. But crucially, they try to work for their living, performing menial tasks, seasonal labor, and taking on odd jobs. Tramps, either via rail or hitchhiking, rarely work and instead often beg. Bums are neither of these, neither traveling nor working. Hmm. So tramps just kind of travel around but don't work. They they beg for money. Mm-hmm. Um, hobos try to work for money and bums just, <laughs> bums just do neither. Okay. I didn't know there was a distinction, but I, didn't, I knew a homeless I didn't either, person to be honest was with not you. the same no, as a hobo. No, The topos of the hobo is historically rooted, rising from a group of wanderers who gradually created an entire subculture reliant on train travel, complete with nicknames, signs, and symbols, and distinct literature, language, and music. So there you go. Okay. Uh, it's believed that the word hobo came from the word ho-boy, a term used in the 18th century for a migratory agricultural worker. Hobos surfaced in U.S. history in the mid-1800s at the same time railroads emerged as a major mode of transportation in the United States. After the Civil War, displaced veterans rode the rails in search of work and new lives, which totally makes sense. Trains were new. Mm -hmm. 
um, you had all these people that were out of jobs and it was a, just a whole different cultural landscape. Everything had changed. So you have people like hopping on trains and going to big cities to see if they can find something. By the early 1900s, <laughs> Jim's doing something upstairs. Should I stop and see if we can hear that? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. By the early 1900s, one New York newspaper estimated that about 700,000 transients, almost all men, regularly rode the rails. 700,000? That's a lot of people. During the Great Depression, hobo numbers soared as men and entire families moved around the country in search of work. And if you had work that needed to be done, they would do it in exchange for a meal or just a little bit of money. Major cities would have something called hobo jungles. According to the Artful Living article, quote, the homeless population, they use homeless, but they shouldn't. The homeless population gradually created its own community and culture, which found its nexus in the hobo jungle. Robert Bruins, author of the book Knights of the Road, A Hobo History, says, quote, usually located just outside of town near running water in the railroad tracks, the jungle served as pub, restaurant, hotel, literary gathering place and informational center for traveling hobos. They would congregate each evening and make mulligan stew, a pleasant euphemism for a combination of whatever ingredients each person happened to contribute to the communal soup. So that's where mulligan came from. Mm -hmm. A description of mulligan stew appeared in a 1900 newspaper saying, quote, another traveler present described the operation of making a, quote, mulligan. Five or six hobos join in on this. One builds a fire and rustles up a can. Another has to procure meat, another potatoes. One fellow pledges himself to obtain bread, and still another has to furnish onions, salt, and pepper. If a chicken can be stolen, so much the better. The whole outfit is placed in the can and boiled until it is done. If one of the men is successful in procuring, quote, java, an oyster can is used as a coffee tank, and this is always put on the fire to boil. Incidentally, it may be mentioned that California hobos always put a snipe in their coffee to give it that delicate amber color and add to the aroma. Snipe, snipe, snipe is hobo for the butt end of a cigar that smokers throw down in the streets. Interesting. All hobos have large quantities of snipes in their pockets for both chewing and smoking purposes. A beggar's stew is a mulligan without any meat. Side note, and I mentioned this in the regular episode, but I went to a private Catholic school for six years, and they had amazing food. <laughs> this, and one of my favorite meals that they served us was called mulligan stew. I'm pretty sure that this wasn't the same. That no, this, it was like a gravy meat-based yeah. soup that they served over mashed potatoes. So this is basically whatever they can conjure, conjure up. But you, I wonder you know? if that was born out of that idea. It was born out of that stew. idea. Yeah. I think it's, it's like people that use leftover beef, mm-hmm. potatoes, carrots. And this was whatever. If somebody can bring a, yeah, if somebody can bring meal. a turnip to it, they throw a turnip right. in the pot. If somebody can bring chicken to it, they throw chicken. If there's no meat, it's a beggar's, uh, whatever they could put it. Beggars. Oh, beggars. B-E-G-G-R, beggar's, oh, beggar's. stew. Okay. Yep. And the word, ho- I think this is a cool word. I never heard it before. Hobohemia is a low-rent district in a city where artistic bohemians and the down-and-outs mix. <laughs> so you have the, like the the quirky artistic types mixed with the, the, the hobos, mm-hmm. and that's hobohemia. Interesting fact, Tourist Union Number 63 was created in the early 19th century to help hobos avoid being arrested for vagrancy, and it remains one of the oldest continuous-running unions in the United States. So the hobos have a union. Okay. Because otherwise you would get arrested for vagrancy. Hmm. You know, not having a home. Yeah. So this this protects How them. How is that enforced, though? <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. I don't know. 
But the hobos, like the hobo culture. Somebody is, must negotiate with local law enforcement. Hobo culture is like super fascinating. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of these are like parts of the hobo community. The first one, and this is the one that set me off on this topic where I came across this several, like several times in two days, is hobo signs. Artful Living says, quote, hobos even have their own lexicon, an elaborate system of communication that lets others know where it would be safe to rest their heads. In the Hobo Museum, a denim tapestry made by a hobo named Texas Madman functions as the most iconic dictionary of hobo symbology. Everything from images meaning, quote, good road to follow, to, quote, be aware of hostile railroad police, to, quote, a kind lady lives here, would be scratched in yards and roads and fence posts as messages to the rest of the hobo community. So, like, if if you uh, had a fence post and all of a sudden you saw, like, this marking on it, it would be a hobo telling other hobos, this person will maybe give you food or yeah. give you work. That's this one cool. will say this. There's all these different symbols. This one says this homeowner, homeowner has a gun and doesn't like hobos. Mm. You know, so there's it's like a primitive message. It's board. almost like, yeah, like a primitive. You can't go online to find this, but you can. There I mean, are there, ways. It's online. You now can find the dictionaries are. online. So it's really interesting. The hobo code is what constantly showed up for me for a couple of days. And I'm like, all right, we're going to do a thing on hobos. I wonder if there are message boards now, too, where you can there, just We're going to get to that. Okay. We're going to get to that. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get to that. I got curded. You got curded. Um, so hobo signs is different than hobo code. There's actually a hobo code that hobos follow, like a code of how Conduct. to act. Yes. Okay. The hobo code is the set of community standards that guides life on the rails. Si- what the hell was that? I don't know. That was down here. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> Maybe it is haunted down here. <laughs> no. I'm going to leave that in because that was kind of weird. Yeah, something something moved in the other room when we were down here. It's haunted down here. She doesn't want to, she, don't, she won't admit it. She won't admit it, but it's haunted down here. <laughs> okay. The Hobo Code is a set of community standards that guides life on the rails. Cyberhobo.com says, quote, an ethical code was created by Tourist Union Number 63 during its 1889 National Hobo Convention in St. Louis, Missouri. This code was voted upon as a concrete set of laws to govern the nationwide hobo body. I never realized it was like this. No, I didn't either. You know, some of the sounds very organized. Some of the things in the hobo code say, quote, decide your own life. Don't let another person run or rule you. When in town, always respect the local law and officials and try to be a gentleman at all times. When in town, respect handouts. Do not wear them out because another hobo will be coming along who will need them as bad, if not worse, than you. Always respect nature. Do not leave garbage where you are jungling. Do not allow other hobos to molest children. Expose all molesters to authorities. They are the worst garbage to infest any society. 100%. hmm Help all runaway children and try to get them to return home. Help your fellow hobos whenever and wherever needed. You may need their help someday. So it's like a really cool set of, like, I wish society followed some of this. No kidding. And another thing uh, hobos are known for are nicknames. Artful Living says, quote, The convention is full of firsts for me. I've never been offered miscellaneous beverages from unmarked milk jugs. I've never witnessed a cow chip throwing contest or a toilet bowl race. I've never had a source with a name like Connecticut Shorty. 
Shorty is not her birth name, of course. It's her hobo moniker, and it's deeply important to her identity as a hobo. These names are simple yet colorful and descriptive. The famous steam train Maury, the late celebrated poet Iowa Blackie, librarian bookworm Bonnie, Joey Bag of Donuts, Fry Pan Jack, Pistol Pete, and Mountain Dew. <laughs> those Mountain are some Dew. of the those are some of the names. Okay. Bestowed by a more seasoned hobo, these designations are worn like badges of honor. It's kind of like a gang nickname or like a motorcycle club nickname where you're given this nickname and that's that's yours. So other people give you the yeah. nickname. Okay. During my weekend in Brit, the closing ceremony includes conferring a hobo name on a teen girl who isn't particularly pleased with the hobo moniker she received at birth, Droopy Diapers. Oh my god. <laughs> that's a horrible no. hobo nickname. I would be like, what would, what would, I would be like Pizza Kurt or, or Pizza Crust Kurt or something weird like that. I'd be like Chili Krista because I'd always be cold. <laughs> you would be Chili Krista. <laughs> I'd be living outside, burr. I'd be Pizza Kurt. Pizza I don't know. Pizza sounds good. But I just think it's cool that there's all these traditions. Mm-hmm. Like, I never realized really cool. some of this. I didn't realize any of this. And of course, one of the big hobo things train jumping. Mm. Train hopping, sometimes referred to as freight hopping, is against the law in all United States. Uh, Many of the cars today are something called intermodal container cars. Um, These are transported by ship, truck, and rail, and these are sealed completely tight. This Mm. isn't like the early 1900s when you could just hop on a train and slide the door open. You can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of these are just completely airtight and refrigerated cars. You can't get into them. They're locked uh, almost all rail cars today lack surfaces to grab onto or space to sit down, and a lot of these have nicknames like suicide cars. Sure. Um, the rule of thumb is to only hop a train if you can clearly make out each bolt on its spinning wheels. If it's too blurry from speed or your inebriation, catch the next one. Totally makes sense. Most, most modern train cars are sealed up completely tight these days, so most hobos ride on the porches or the spaces in between the cars. That's like the only sure. place you Which can really... Which doesn't seem safe either. No, and people on the road are going to see you, mm-hmm. you know, where if you're in a car. You're exposed but to the even elements. If, even if you get into the car, it's super dangerous. Loads shift and sure. fall over all the time. Uh, and having the, an empty car makes no sense. No, and people would lo- lose limbs because a, a pallet would fall onto oh their God. legs. Uh, a lot of times doors would... With the train shaking, doors would close and lock, and people would be found dead of starvation oh inside gosh. of train cars. So, proceed with caution. Proceed with caution. Uh, and still today, arrest by railroad. I feel like hitchhiking seems safer. Yes. Still today, arrest by railroad police, known as bulls, are common. Um, if you have phone or internet access, there are numbers or websites that will give you the direction of each freight train, where it's headed, and an estimated time of arrival based on that freight train's identification number. So mm. these days, you can go on the, online and see when trains are coming and where they're going and all that. Uh, there's something called the Crew Change Guide. Hitch Wiki says, quote, The Crew Change Guide, or CCG, is an underground document passed on from hobo to hobo with information about jumping freight trains in the United States. It contains very detailed and useful information containing yards, bulls, or the police, times, maps, etc. However, its circulation should be kept strictly to word of mouth by hand to hand. It's forbidden to publish the document online or in any wide arena. As hoboing is common in the United States, law enforcers are very aware of it as a means of travel and try to abolish it. Therefore, spreading the CCG far and wide will only jeopardize this kind of transportation. 
The CCG can be obtained from most hobos found around yards or while riding the rails. So they try to keep this offline because they don't want people sure. knowing that they know this. But that's the thing is that train hopping is basically kind of how this started. And you can't really do that anymore. Right. People still do. But like I don't see trains as often as I used to. Mm, I guess we have a lot coming through here, but yeah, like there's tracks outside really the school every day at a certain time. There's trains going by. Then part of we always joke about hopping on the train and just riding the rails and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like I wonder where those trains go. Right. <coughs> I should almost like look into that to see where they're going and stuff. But riding the rails isn't a thing like it once was. Well, it sounds like it's gotten increasingly more difficult. Yeah, to... it's gotten increasingly more difficult, and it's kind of not really necessary anymore. Probably not. But. I, you mentioned hitchhiking. I don't know if which is safer, hitchhiking or riding the rails. I don't know. Yeah, I would not hitchhike either. Or, I feel like a bus ticket's probably. <laughs> yeah. All right. I this, think it's pretty economical to ride a bus these days. I don't know. It is. I kind of want to do a cross-country bus trip, but I kind of don't. You're kind of at the mercy of the bus and the people you you're are. riding with, though. Same with a train trip, though, and that sounds really fun. So this is a long section from the Artful Living um article but i really like this so the article says quote in some cases hobos today aren't disenfranchised and aren't as far from our daily lives as we might imagine at the convention the vast majority of attendees traveled from pennsylvania or somewhere in the north known for its quote minnesota nice even among hobos minneapolis in particular functions as a centralized hub for hobos In fact, if you live in Minnesota, one of these hobos may very well be your neighbor or your professor. Take the late Todd, quote, Admin Walters. Admin was his nickname. A successful advertising executive by day with a stunning Lake Minnetonka home, he spent more than 40 summers riding freight trains across America. Why did he become a hobo? Well, as he told writer Matt Stopera before his death last July, he's just always done it. Stopera explains, quote, he hitchhiked up to Cheyenne, Wyoming, but got arrested. As soon as he got out, he jumped on a train. That night, he saw the most beautiful sunset he'd ever seen and thought to himself, I'm going to do this forever. Mm. And as it turned out, the hobo way of life was in his genes. After Adman had been a hobo for decades, his father gave him a packet of postcards from his grandfather, who, unbeknownst to his grandson, had been a hobo during the Great Depression. Todd fit well in both worlds, says his wife, Dory. He lived an entire life here in what he called, quote, polite society, but then he could immediately switch to a world of hobos and travelers. For his family, his excursions were simply part of who he was. When we were growing up, every summer he was gone for four to eight weeks, explains their daughter Alexandra. We knew it wasn't normal, but it was kind of a grand adventure for us kids. It was always exciting when he was rolling his pack on the kitchen floor. I wanted to go with him from the time I was seven years old. Adman would leave with his pack, an old newspaper bag, a gallon milk jug for water, and very little money, $20 or so to get him to the train station, says Dory. He didn't take a cell phone because he said, quote, the more you take, the less you experience. Hmm. He would call with his three quarters every so often, and we talked to him for as long as we could. Adman took Alexandra along for the ride when she turned 18. The hobo population ranges from professors to the truly homeless and everyone in between. She notes, quote, I even met a guy who was born on the road. He existed well into adulthood without a social security number just because that's a life he was born into. Or there's Sack Kid, a tech genius whose company kept giving him sabbaticals because all he wanted to do was be on the road riding freight trains and they wanted to keep his brilliance close at hand. Hmm. 
You might walk into a hobo jungle and end up in a philosophical discussion only to find out you're talking to a philosophy professor who was drawn by the allure of trains. You find people living their own dualities, people with big dreams, Alexander explains. Until you understand that level of adventure and freedom and wanderlust they are living and seeking, I don't know that you can truly understand who they are. Compelled by the hobo community from a young age, she would eventually fall into her own duality. People would jungle up in Minneapolis along the river, so I'd go with my dad and have dumpster-dived pizza and old coffee grounds mixed in a pot of water, she says. The next day, I'd throw on a sweater, put my hair up so it didn't smell like smoke, and meet my mom at a nice hotel for brunch. Adman's motivation was, quote, to get this world to understand that these hobos lived, that they're real humans, and that they matter. Before his death, he wrote, quote, Riding freight trains doesn't guarantee that one has found inner peace. It does, however, offer the opportunity to free our minds from the committee of chaotic voices that scatter our inner peace. Living in society's rut, with our minds stuck on autopilot, routines followed rather than choices made, makes us a prisoner in the freest country on earth. But being on the road, living spontaneously and confronting a myriad of incidents every day is living fully and creatively, where one cannot count on routine to survive, having the audacity to live recklessly and free in order to live a life in technicolor brilliance. Some of us are capable of totally shedding responsibility for a time to walk to the edge of a cliff and purposely choose to live. I love that quote. Yeah, it's amazing. That is such a good quote. Yeah. So as you can see in this article, not not the hobos are just not necessarily people who are down under luck. A lot of people do it by they choice. They choose to yep. do it. And one of the things that has made being a modern day hobo easier, cell phones. An April 19th, 2015 article in Newsweek called, quote, Homeless Millennials Are Transforming Hobo Culture, says, quote, The ubiquity of cheap phones and even cheaper data has prompted even longtime homeless to join the growing ranks of people with a cell connection but no house. The day I started on the road, I had a flip phone, an iPod, a TomTom GPS, an Atlas, a laptop, and free Wi-Fi wasn't very easy to find, says a medic who's been a hobo for four years and asked me to identify him as Nuke. He says, I had a pretty decent amount of training and experience in treating com combat trauma. He now lives out of a 91 Ford pickup and says, quote, I have a smartphone, a laptop, and free Wi-Fi is everywhere. The rise of the mobile internet has made a hobo's life easier, Nuke says. But when I ask him about how he and fellow travelers use their smartphones, I get the sense that for even the digitally connected homeless, life is far from easy. I keep my phone off a lot, or in airplane mode, he says, because we can only charge up for a short time, maybe once a day, or sometimes it'll be two or three days between charges or for maybe one hour of charge. For a hobo named Huck and his fellow hobos, he says smartphone usage, usage is measured in instance. He says, quote, we check Google Maps and then we turn it off or we make a quick phone call and we turn it off. That's a pity because a smartphone can be even more useful for a homeless person than it is for those with a regular roof over their heads. Case in point, smartphones provide on-the-go weather forecasts, convenient for an everyday life, but essential for a homeless one. You have to keep an eye on the weather when you're living outside, says Mike Quain, a 22-year-old busker and percussionist. He says, quote, if it's too cold somewhere, we'll get south any way we can, and no one likes to be surprised by rain. Rain isn't nearly as fun when you don't have a dry place to go. Mm -hmm. Job hunting sites like Craigslist also require browsing if you're trying to make a living with no permanent place to call home. For the past 100 years of this lifestyle in America, we found our jobs by following seasonal schedules and asking around for jobs at farmer's market and farming supply stores, looking at job ads in newspapers and asking door-to-door, -door, says Huck, adding that things aren't done very differently today. 
I know thousands of hobos, he says, and I don't know a single one that doesn't use Craigslist. It's completely changed the way we find work. The uses don't end there. Another hobo named Quain lists Google Maps, Couchsurfing.org, and Hitchwiki as being indispensable for vagabonds, while Nuke is still in awe of his smartphone's power. He says, quote, I can fit an entire Radio Shack from the 90s and then some in my pocket now. <laughs> Where there used to be jungles and hobohemias, now the internet is the place present-day hobos, most of them millennials, go to connect and build a community. Sites little known among the safely homed, like dumpstermap.com, which is a map of dumpsters ripe for diving, a site called wififreespot.com, which is a list of free Wi-Fi hotspots, and a site called ontrackonline.com, which is a railroad digital scanner frequency player. So that plays like the digital, like the the free trains. Yep. Are common resources, says Huck, for the vast majority of the digitally connected homeless community. Prior to 2005 or so, he says, all of this was simply done by word of mouth, which is how it was done for over 100 years. Where hobos used to etch symbols on fences, the ubiquity of the internet is making finding and communicating with fellow travelers easier than ever. The curious can head to squattheplanet.com and travelershq.org to find vagabonds forming groups, swapping stories, and arranging meetups. Those who do possess a cell phone have a tool both for survival and for restoring their sense of humanity. While settled people are usually able to meet the wider world head-on and feel no shame, homelessness carries with it a pervasive, ugly stigma. One traveler explains, quote, Having a mobile phone provides homeless people with an outward-facing identity that can mask their homelessness. With a cell phone, people you call or who call you don't know that you're homeless. So I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Like, I never thought about that aspect of, like, people being homeless or hobos or tramps or whatever and how much cell phones change that. Yeah. You know, I have like phones, like not just my phone, but I, I, when Corey and I were down in Milwaukee looking at that park for the secret, mm-hmm. we found some guy's cell phone like laying up by a tree. Mm. We tried giving it back. His ex-girlfriend's number was in there, but she didn't want it. She's like, no, just keep it. <laughs> so I have that at home and that's my iPod player. Oh, funny. But like if I took that on the road, it's got Wi-Fi, so I could, I yeah. have this phone that you don't I don't... need don't, to have cell service. No, I, it has no cell service, but I can use it at any free Wi-Fi mm-hmm. spot. And what you like, you can go in a Walmart parking lot and get the Wi-Fi from the store. Mm-hmm. And like he said, you're this is like stuff that you're going to, like, you're going to want to know the forecast for the next couple days. Totally. So it's interesting, like, the, the tie-in between modern technology and modern hobos, I thought was, like, really interesting. Yeah, it's evolved quite a bit. It has. But there's still something still very... Um, what am I trying to say? The the foundational sort of values and tenets are yeah. still there. And I, I like the idea that it makes you not feel like embarrassed of being homeless. Like you have this phone that, mm-hmm. that you can, you know. People, it's a resource. It's a resource. And yeah. it makes you feel like more connected and more human. And I just mm-hmm. really like that idea. So the second part of this like we talked about this has been in the news kind of with Gabby Petito with mm-hmm. what what her what she wanted to do and I never realized this was as much of a thing as it is but you know like I got into that story about the bam bus those three girls that mm-hmm. all found out they were dating the same guy that was mm-hmm. cheating on them mm-hmm. and instead of like catfighting and hating each other they became like best friends and they got they bought a school bus did the inside of the school bus, completely renovated it, and now they're traveling around the country. People are giving them tons of money on GoFundMe. Mm. You know, so it's just an amazing story, and I just think that's so cool. So it's been in the news a lot recently, but that is the idea of rubber tramping 
or van living, and that's that's not having a, a place to live and just living on the road in a van, RV, or bus. Mm-hmm. One of our listeners is doing that. Yes, I was going to bring and that I up. And I tried reaching out to her to ask her on Facebook, are oh. you still doing this? Because I wanted stories, but I, she never got back to oh. me. But I just think it's interesting. And this is something that I think about if I was 20 years old, I would like, I would like to do this. Mm-hmm. But as we're going to get into, it's not as... It's not all it's cracked up it's to be. It's not all it's cracked up to be. But the idea of it is so enticing alluring. to me. It's so alluring. The freedom so, of it. Yes. It's also very scary. Yes. And we'll get into all For we'll people in, like us who like routine and we'll, security. Yes. We'll get into all of that. <laughs> yeah. A February 1st, 2021 article on Insider.com called, quote, Social media makes living in a camper van look like the simple life. The reality is a lot more complicated, says, quote, If you search hashtag van life on Instagram right now, you'll find over 9 million images of people sprawled out in luxury vans wearing bikinis and parked next to picturesque seasides. Mm -hmm. The hashtag dates back to 2011 when photographer Foster Huntington used it for the first time. A decade later, the hashtag has grown to represent an entire lifestyle, a group of people who've given up traditional living to live in vehicles that have been turned into tiny houses. And Instagram is kind of the hub where people go to to find stuff about van living mm-hmm. or van life. Yep. It's it's the it's the idea of minimalism. You're getting rid of all your stuff. You have just enough to live in this RV or this van mm-hmm. and that's all you need. It also means you probably don't have a job unless you're working remotely. Yeah. yeah. Um and a lot of this comes from I think his name is John Krakauer from his and I've I've seen this come up a lot in the last couple of years but his book and the movie into the wild. Oh yeah, where he lived on a bus and eventually died mm-hmm. in the bus. Spoiler. Wasn't but he, it? Um, but the bus is still there, who and it's played kind, him. I don't remember. I've never seen it. I have. It's good. I, I, I want to see it who now. Played him though, because this has popped up a lot in the last year for me. Is this Into the Wild? I have that to look now. the book is supposedly really good, and the movie is. Supposedly, I've only seen the movie. I've never read the book. But I believe it's a bus, right? That he lives yes. in a bus, but yeah. he does die. Yeah, because he's basically. He becomes cut off. Yeah. And, um, oh, I don't even recognize the guy now. Emil, Emil Hirsch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. I recognize the name. And I think he was actually, I can't remember the details of it. it. It was one of those things where he was like actually so close to, he was cut off somehow, like physically cut off. He couldn't get. No, and he died. In, yeah. And yeah. he died in the, yeah. The bus is still there and people go to, to see mm. it. Uh, a November 22nd, 2013 article on GearJunkie.com called, quote, The Rubber Tramp Diary, Hiding in Plain Sight, says, quote, I gotta stop saying quote all the time. <laughs> it's illegal to live the way I do, punishable by up to 30 days in jail, a $100 fine, or both. This can lead to some tense situations, but I usually don't think too much about it. I mind my own business and follow a code that makes sure everyone else does too. I'm a stealth van dweller, and my presence goes largely unnoticed. Still, sometimes without a patch of ground to call my own, I feel exposed and vulnerable. While learning to hide in plain sight has kept me out of trouble, it's also had an unintended consequence. I've become an accidental voyeur, the proverbial the proverbial fly on the wall. Like a hunter in a blind, I lay on my bed, silently observing brief and sometimes private moments in the lives of strangers passing by me on the road, like a man plunging a needle into his arm, a kid picking his nose, a girl checking her reflection in the window, a frustrated conversation, office gossip, or a lingering kiss. 
from my van, I see the things people don't intend to share with others. And just when I start to think my life is strange compared to theirs, I see all of these vulnerable moments and realize that maybe we're not so different at all. I like that. Yeah. But the thing is, um, like a lot more and more people are doing this. Uh, there's websites about how to do this. Mm-hmm. An article on moneyunder30.com from March 14th, 2019 says rest stops and Walmarts are your best bet when it comes to traveling. Except for select locations, Walmart allows vans, cars, trucks, and RVs to park overnight in their parking lots, although this isn't a long-term solution. There's a website called freecampsites.net that tells you where you can park your van temporarily. Uh, That website also goes on to say a couple tips, like don't make it obvious you live in your van, especially if you live in the city. If you're staying in a city, it's important to look as inconspicuous as possible. One of the tips, never park in the same place two days in a row. You'll quickly be able to tell where people can park overnight since a bunch of other cars will also be there. Neighborhoods filled with apartments are a good option because most residences have to park on the street anyway. But make sure you don't need a permit to park overnight there or else you could end up being towed while you're still in the van. <laughs> oh, Not no. fun. Another tip, have an emergency fund. If your, fan, if your van breaks down halfway to California or wherever you're going, you can't just ditch it. You live in it. That means an emergency fund is essential for anyone who wants to try out van living. Additionally, I guarantee there will be unexpected expenses you weren't thinking of when you made the switch to van life. Living in a van is weird, and there are weird expenses that come up when you don't even when you don't have a larger home. And I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like th- this, the stuff that crosses my mind is I pay six hundred dollars a month for rent. Mm-hmm. That would be $600 additional I have, but I also wouldn't have a job because right. I wouldn't be working. Right. I'd be living on the road. And you have to look at gas. Gas is super expensive right now. You have to look at repairs. And and um, one of the things talks about how invaluable YouTube is to these people because oh, if sure. something goes wrong in their van, they can, you can YouTube how yourself, to fix probably, it. Yeah. yeah, so you have to have tools. Uh, for showers, a lot of people say get a, a membership at Planet Fitness or, mm. or one of those gyms that are mm-hmm. around the country that you can go to and, and that are 24 7 and are 24 7 and you can go there and shower uh that loves gas station that i stop at when i leave here has showers right because it's a truck you, stop, you have to pay really. a little for it but yeah. they have showers campgrounds have showers as far as wi-fi walmart parking lots you can go to any city's library has free wi-fi restaurants have free wi-fi you can sit outside a restaurant well and a lot of these camper vans have showers in them too yes so you just need yep. to have a water source yeah but as Krista said earlier, just because you see a lot of great pictures of van living on Instagram, don't be fooled and jump right into it. Uh, that Insider article says, it's no secret that most images on social media aren't the full picture. What you're seeing on your social grid is just a small stylized snippet of someone's life. Highly the same can curated. be said for the van life hashtag. Yeah, they're only showing you the highlights. Yeah, <laughs> there's a quote that I'll get to in a little bit that, that I thought was funny. Uh, A man named Lynn, L-I-N, and his wife Marlene started traveling in their camper van in 2008 before the hashtag even began. Over the years, they've watched as their lifestyle became a social media phenomenon. They quickly realized that the photos that went viral weren't what they were experiencing in their daily lives. In fact, the Lynn's didn't even want to be associated with the hashtag because van life wasn't a fad for them. It was their lifestyle. You're not going to post videos of you falling on your butt skateboarding, Lynn said. You're only going to post videos of the tricks that you land. That's what hashtag van life is. These are all the tricks that these van lifers have landed, and it makes them look like a pro. Mm -hmm. 
Lynn goes on to say that the photos of van lifers parked at a beach during the crimson sunset or in the forest during a beautiful day are just not the reality. It's a photo op. Most times, these people park their van in a beautiful location for a few minutes to get the photo, post it on social media, and then drive to a dumpy parking lot or a campground to spend their <laughs> night, which is exactly true. Totally. Matt Watson, who started living the van life in 2014 in Canada, said he understands the pressure to perform on Instagram. He says, I love the idea of painting the reality of van life, but me shivering and peeing into a jar one night isn't going to get that many likes on Instagram, no matter what filter I use. So I like that. I love that quote. That got a snort out of me. It did get a snort out of you. And the thing is that uh, with the growing popularity of van life and van dwellers, a lot of the ones you see on Instagram are being sponsored by people, mm. you know, by camp, by people that own the vans and all that sure. stuff. So they're sponsored. So these people are given tons of money and it looks like, oh, this is like the life for me. Well, it, it's also, so this reminds me of like, if you're buying a product on Amazon yeah, and it has like thousands of positive reviews, yeah. make sure those people aren't getting something free out of it they because they will say anything for free stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've seen multiple mm-hmm. situations like that on Amazon. I love gotcha games. And I don't know if you know what those are. I mm-hmm. play that. I have like five of them on my phone where it's like a, a, a computer, like a video game. But you can roll for random a chance to get like a really good character, a really good weapon. And a lot of times those will give you free tickets for draws if you go and leave a good message sure. for a good review of mm-hmm. the app. You know, yep. so stuff like that. So it's not what it's always cracked up to be. That Artful Living article goes on to say, quote, and this is this is from the Artful Living article, and this is kind of this is more about hobos, but this is very much what, what the van life and hobo life is like. The person says, the reporter says, quote, I only experience one queasy moment in which a hobo picks me out of the crowd, not because of what I'm wearing, but because of my teeth. They're white and straight from years of braces, which leads him to ask, quote, are you a rich little bitch? He stares at me and spanks his dog because, quote, bitches deserve to be spanked. It's fairly disturbing. For me, this moment cements my understanding of the hobo experience, which is one of dichotomies. There's adventure, camaraderie, and joy, but these are inseparable from danger, instability, and terror. Mm-hmm. And uh, a GQ article called This Hobo Life from March 28, 2016 talks about uh, something called a Vegabus. It was like a group that got this thing together called the Vegabus where they were all vagrants and homeless and living on this bus. And the person that rode along with them for a while writes in the article, quote, two hours later, though, I'm jolted awake again by the sound of a woman crying. It's Tilly. As she slept, the emergency door at the back of the Vegabus swung open and she fell several feet to the ground. She's now lying face down in the mud, rain pouring down on her. I want to go home. She half screams through tears. We help her back into the bus. Somehow she falls back asleep instantly. She probably won't remember any of this in the morning. But I will. And that's when the last ember of romance goes out for good. The itch is gone. This doesn't feel like freedom at all. It feels like what it really is. Squalor. The kind of squalor that hundreds of thousands of Americans live in each day. The kind of squalor that is not a choice. The kind of desperation that makes all those boxes we live in suddenly seem so roomy and liberating. Mm-hmm. And they find out later that Tilly broke her back when oh she fell. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's it's just, it's like such a hard thing to, because it is such a, like you said, romantic and freedom and all this stuff. And it just seems like such a cool thing. But the more you read about it, the more the reality of it is that it's not 
But then people that do it said that there are the parts of it that are make up for the parts of it that are bad. Hmm. You know, so like there's a part of me that depends on what you what your particular needs are to feel comfortable and secure. Like I, I this whole week doing this, I wonder how I would be with this. You know, like I can I feel like I can live maybe in a van, but then I feel like I maybe couldn't. Because I, I don't know, like this, this has been like a, a thing for me all week, wondering how I would be with this. A lot of people say, do this for like two weeks, rent a RV, rent mm-hmm. a van, go across, try going across the country and live right. in it for two weeks and see how it is. Some people take to it. Some people don't. Well, I don't know if you're going to get to this, but. No, I'm basically done. All I okay. have left right now is my quote. And the quote is. Uh, from a van life couple named Andrew and Amber and their kids. And they say, quote, we were wasting our lives going to work every day, putting our kids in daycare, all just to have a nicer car, comfier couch, bigger TV and flashier house. So we have decided we, what we, no. So we have decided we want out of that. We want out of the prescribed life. We want to be free, free to spend as many of the hours we have left together, watching our kids growing up, having amazing experiences and truly living. Hmm. So I like that. Because I like that's, that too. It makes total sense. Yeah. So that's basically what I have. That's. So what I was going to say is like someone like me, I am somebody who I need to know where I couldn't handle not knowing where I'm going to sleep, where no. my next meal is going to come from. No. <laughs> How exactly. are we going to pay for gas? Where am I going to even work to get the, I can't live that no, way. I stress enough about stuff and I live in an apartment, you know, yes. like I couldn't imagine living on the road, but then I wouldn't have some of those additional stresses. Sure. You know, jobs like, are stressful. <laughs> yeah. Like, do, no, I don't know where my next meal will be from, but I'll find something, mm-hmm. you know, and there's some people that say the uncertainty and randomness of what happens to you on the road makes you feel alive. I Where get for it. you and I, that it's would terrifying. be that would be terrifying. I think what I actually find more appealing than this whole scenario is living off the grid. Yeah, having a home with a roof, and maybe having solar power and no and Wi-Fi, my own no food. Wi-Fi. Yep, I, having my own water source. You're still kind of you could you know you could probably quit your traditional job and find a different source of income that doesn't require so much of your time and effort yeah, a lot of people do you don't need a do cell that. phone you don't need a, right. you won't have a cell phone you don't need internet you don't need a cable digital cable tv mm-hmm. yeah i totally get that that's way more appealing because that freedom is still there yeah and the sort of um kind of going back to a, a more simpler way of living yeah the secure, but I would still have the security. I would still know where my next meal was coming from. I would still know where the roof that would have a roof over my head and heat. Yeah. Like I need those things. I feel like I've worked so hard to get to a point in my life where we're very secure. Yeah. And to give that up is like really scary. Like to the me. meal thing, I don't worry about because of fast food places. But I've read a lot of accounts of people getting kind of sick and out of shape because that's all you're sure. eating is like dollar menu Wendy's stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and um. I think it'd be fun to do it for like a month as like a vacation. Yeah. But I would have reservations at campgrounds. I would, yeah. you know, it but there's a be part like... of me that loves the idea of just heading west, getting in your getting in your van, spending the night somewhere, get I up next morning, drive. I could do it to an extent. Drive. I could do yeah. it to an extent. But a, a lot of people say that this is one of those things that seems better than it actually is. And yeah. once you get out there for two or three weeks, do it. Well, you're, and, you have all these dirty clothes that you're not yeah. washing. You're stinky. You have to think about it's a one lot thing of that for stuff. me to go pee outside. It's another thing for you to go pee outside yeah, in the, the middle of the night. 
But if you're so, in a van, it probably has a bathroom. Yeah. The camper vans have bathrooms. Yeah, but there's the some part. there's some tricked out vans that oh, people yeah. do this with that there's are actually, like tiny houses. There's a show on Discovery Plus now that's called Something Van, and it's a guy who does van conversions yeah. for camper vans. Yeah. What I was going to say, though, is with the whole Gabby situation, I've seen articles coming up now talking about how you have to consider your mental health, too. Yes. Because being in close quarters with somebody yeah. with zero privacy or personal space can really take a toll on your mental health and your relationship with that person. Oh, God, and you need totally. to think about that. To me, in my head when I'm doing this, it's always me alone, not mm-hmm. me with somebody else. But right. then there's also the loneliness factor that... Right. Would you bring Narnie? No, probably, I'm assuming, without Narnie. Yeah. You know, a lot of people but, bring their pets though. But I interact with my students all day. I interact mm-hmm. with you when we do the podcast, but then I got to realize I'm not interacting really with anybody. It would and all that's going to take that's going to take it not like the cool strangers mm-hmm. like you guys actual listening, strangers. but actual strangers. <laughs> yeah. But then there's something to be said for that that makes you feel like you're experiencing life. Mm-hmm. We're here we're when we're in our 9 to 5 drudgery routine we're not experiencing yeah. life so you'd be making connections you never would have made otherwise. i get it like i love the allure of this the romant- the romanticism of being out on the road not having a job being able to go where you want seeing like i want to see oregon i want to yeah. see washington i want to see a lot Maine. of the time living I, in nature yeah so i understand that but then there's also the they, one of the articles i read was written by a guy who tried this for two weeks that somebody gave him this tricked out rv and at the end, he's like, never again. He's like, this compost toilet. I hate mm. pooping in this compost toilet yeah. in this little cramped room. I hate wondering if I stink because my clothes have been worn for three or four days. You know, you I can... think the only way I would do it is if we saved up a ton of money. And had like a really, yeah, save had up a ton a of money, had a nice money. RV. Yeah, or it wouldn't even have to be a but nice RV. But I could RV. see you and Jim doing this. I could yeah. totally see you and Jim doing like the van life thing. <laughs> Like the hobo thing is alluring to me. Just not even having a van, just being on the road, hitchhiking. I think we, we've we actually talked about like when we were retired, it'd be so fun to have an RV and just travel the country. Yeah, it would be. And that's kind of what this is. But that's we'd kind be of... staying at like campgrounds and yeah. stuff. But the, like the hobo idea is, is compelling to me because you have nothing tying you down. Mm-hmm. Riding the rails, hopping on a train. You know, one person says that they thought this was a dumb idea until they were laying on top of a train one night watching the stars. And they're like, Mm. this is amazing. This is what life should be. Yeah, there's definitely something very alluring about the freedom of it. There is. So this is just a really divisive Mm -hmm. thing for me because I love the idea of it. And I also don't love the idea of it. So I don't know. There you go. Hobos and road tramping. I just thought it was kind of a cool topic. Yeah, I love it. Very interesting. How long is this? And just a, almost an hour. Okay. So let us know what you guys think. Like, this is fascinating to me. Uh, like I said, I reached out to our one stranger that I know is doing this with her family, or mm-hmm. they were. I'm not sure if they still are. But Last they, I saw, yeah, they were. they gave up. They said, we don't want to be tied down to this super they, expensive like, sold place. Everything, yeah, like, yeah. I, I want to know what I think that's like. think they're living like. in an RV, right? Yeah, like, I want to know what that's like. Like, mm-hmm. I am drawn to this, mm-hmm. but I'm afraid of it at the same time, you know? So I don't know. Just thought it was an interesting topic. Popped yeah. up three times. The hobo, the hobo signs popped up three different times in two days. So that was Synchronicity's way of telling me to do this topic. Very cool. So there you go. Hobo life and road tramping. Rubber tramping. But it's also van van life is more commonly used these mm-hmm. days. Hashtag van life. Yeah. But I've never really looked at it. So I might check out some of those pictures on Instagram and... I don't have it's no mostly to... really beautiful girls in bikinis. Oh yeah, really hot girls in bikinis, and yeah, and this is what it's like. Or super trendy, real. Uh, yeah, it's not realistic. Yeah, some of the articles are like some one girl said she was drawn by the allure of this beautiful girl in a bikini, like crimson sunset. She's mm-hmm. in a chair, and there's a lake behind her, and 
And she says the reality of that doesn't seem right when I'm, it's three o'clock in the morning in the Cracker Barrel parking lot and there's a street sweeper out waking me (laughs) up and I'm freezing. And she's like, this isn't what I signed up for. No. So let us know what you guys think of this topic. Um, And I think that's it. Yeah. Well, thanks for supporting us, guys. Yes, thank you so much for supporting us. Because you guys support us, we don't have to live in a van down by the river. Oh, and what I wanted to say... I want to probably in November, I think I'm going to do some giveaway contests on the coffee page because we have t-shirts and mugs that aren't moving and let's just start giving them away. So I'll figure out how we're going to do that, but we'll be doing some giveaways for our coffee. You get a stinky package in the mail. It's my unwashed, unlaundered, uh, lucky podcasting underwear. Hang them up on your wall. Biohazard. (laughs) Biohazard. (laughs) But yeah, we're trying to figure out what else we can do for you guys because we're just blown away that you guys are supporting us like you are. So thank you so much. Because of you guys, I don't have to be homeless and live on Krista's couch here. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I think that's it. I think so too. It's actually getting bright out. It is. The fog I'm is not going to be in the fog out. on the way home. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for supporting us. And from Krista and I down in the strange side cellar. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> Stay, Stay strange. strange.